1: Scores! Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in overtime.
2: Rolls to the left side, he'll hit Corey Watson with it, he'll sidestep one tackler and
1: gets to the 20, Corey Watson, inside the 10, touchdown! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
3: Well, with the Oilers out of the playoff race, it is when and where and who will be traded before Monday's deadline coming up at 1 o'clock. That's this year's NHL trade deadline. Of course, Patrick Maroon, an unrestricted free agent, Mike Camilleri, uh, maybe, and some interest in Mark Latestu as well. That's one of the big stories here for the Oilers as we move along, who have now lost seven of their last eight. They were swamped, absolutely destroyed in the third period last night by the Boston Bruins. 2 nothing lead evaporates, and Boston takes the game 3-2. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780- 496-0063. You can email inside Sports at 630Chad.com. We will start off with uh, some trade talk here through about the First 40 or 45 minutes of the show, you'll hear from Mark Letestu in about a minute. Here, plenty of Olympic news. It's going to be Canada, Germany in the men's hockey. Women's hockey final is tonight. It'll start uh, after we're off air, but of course we'll keep you updated on uh, all our sportscasts here on 6.30 Chet throughout the night. Uh, What a shocker. Canada, USA going for gold in women's hockey. Figure skating, uh, a lot of big stories there. Jamie Soleil, former Olympian, won gold in 2002. She'll weigh in on uh, the current games and some of her experiences in the Olympics. And curling, that's a stunner, isn't it? Rachel Homan, on the women's side, won't even play for a medal. Didn't even make the semifinals. We'll get uh, some thoughts on that. And the U of A Golden Bears having a great season. The hockey team playoff start against Mount Royal on Friday. Patrick Bauer is the gentleman on the other side of the window this evening. Patrick, great to see you, old boy. Yeah, you too. It's been a long time since we've had a, not a hockey game outing here, right? Usually that's all I'm in for. So. Are you not of a bit of a magic touch for the Oilers this season when you do a game? Are uh, they 500? No. Oh. Close. Nine ten and one. Nine ten and one. Yeah. Close to fifty percent. Well, okay. better than their actual <laughs> overall uh relation to five hundred, but uh that's okay. Patrick will be spinning the tunes coming back from break tonight. I always look forward to what you have. Got some good feedback uh recently, was talking to somebody who said, Hey you guys play good songs coming back from break. You should play more of them. They didn't mean like more quantity of songs of number of songs, they meant play more of the song more coming good back from break. Like, yeah, means, you know, less Less talking and in interviews. Did but. you take it harshly? That's criticism on the, the songs that you had picked. Well, no, they like all of them. Everything. They like yours, they like mine. They like, I know Kellen's got a little freer K- over K- here, too. Kellen's got a little, uh, little side folder of yep. his tracks. Yeah. Good. 6.08 is uh, the time of day. Quick check of the uh, NHL scoreboard here. Senators, well, nothing's uh, started yet. Senators Blackhawks actually just getting underway. Stars and Ducks later on. Flames and Golden Knights don't get going to 8.30. There was a trade today. Darcy Kemper goes to Arizona and then signs a two-year extension. Average annual value of $1.85 million. Tobias Reeder, former Oilers prospect, and Scott Wedgwood go to the Los Angeles Kings. Where will Mark Latestu go? Uh, Jim Matheson and I spoke to the Oilers Center after practice today. Mark, uh, is there any I don't I don't know if resignation is the right word, but reality that these these could be your final three games as an oiler for this season It's certainly a possibility
0: uh, and you know I've thought about it uh you prepare for it that way I've prepared my family for it uh my kids everybody uh family even outside my own immediate family uh you know you never I guess there's no decision until there's a decision, but you always want to prepare yourself for any situation,
3: and that's what we've done. Do the kids understand? Okay, I possibly might have to go live in another city for a couple months, but uh, I'm gonna be back, and it's, it's kind of a hard thing to explain to little kids.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. my, my oldest, my, my six-year-old gets it. Uh, the the good thing about it is now that he's in the first grade, uh, they won't be coming with me if something happens. He'll, he'll have to finish school. Uh, but. They, they don't understand, you know, picking up and moving the family, stuff like that. They understand dads might have to switch jerseys or something, and they think that's pretty cool, and they might get to pick the number or something. So you have to make it kind of fun for them and not a, a negative experience because uh, the older you get in this league, the more likely it is to happen more often. Uh, and that's just kind of the, a gift and a curse of being a son of an NHL player. Do you, uh, you're a veteran. Does Peter go to you and say, i got three teams interested? And the, and the offer is about the same, which team do you want to go to? Uh, we haven't gotten uh, there. Uh, I don't expect that. Uh, you know, even though you're a veteran guy, I, I don't expect that. And, and again, we haven't gotten to that point. I, I don't know if he's fielding offers or, or what's happening. That's It's more speculation at this point for me. We haven't had that discussion Uh but I, I don't expect that. I expect him to do what's best for the Oilers. Uh, yeah, but what if the offers were all the same and there's three, and there's three teams? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, again, I don't expect it. Uh, would it be nice if he did something like that? Yeah, but, again, that's that's not something that I would expect the general manager to do. Uh, every time I read the Pittsburgh paper, you're going back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I must have left a good impression. Uh, uh, that's good. Uh, every time I read it, yeah, <laughs> they got you. It's either you or culling. Yeah. Uh, no, who knows? Again, uh, you try not to to read the, the rumors, but it's, it's almost impossible. Uh, there's such a saturation, especially this time of year, uh, with trade deadline talk, and your name naturally gets in there. Uh, but to, to not read it is more of a... It's more of something you owe to the guys in here. You have to be an oiler until you're not, and you owe it to the guys in the room to give them what you have while you're wearing the sweater. Uh, and you really can't control what happens on the deadline, but uh, it, it's impossible to ignore all the noise. Do you think your game is as good this year as it was? Uh, stats aside, stats aside, I think I've, uh, no, no, and I, I don't think it's at the level that it could be. I think last year I had the ability to, to change a game on special teams. This year I played myself in a position where I'm not even in that consideration, uh, whether that be where we are in the standings or giving other guys other looks. Uh, that being said, postseason somewhere I've excelled, you know, and we're, we're not going to cast the stats aside there, we're going to look at them and pretty damn good player in the playoffs and I think I can help anybody if I get there.
3: Well, Mark Letestu referring to his playoff last year with the Edmonton Oilers where he had five goals and 11 points in 13 games including four points in that 7-1 blowout win over Anaheim in game six of the second round series. Look, Letestu, I'd be shocked if he wasn't traded. There are teams looking around. I would think Pittsburgh, Columbus and Toronto still in the mix. San Jose was probably there before they went out and got Eric Fair. So I would think Latesti would go somewhere. I don't think their return for the Edmonton Oilers is going to be high. uh, But he is a player on a good team who can provide a lot of depth and can do a little bit of everything. And I I wonder, and and look, he's he's later in his career. uh, He's obviously below average speed-wise. I think he's above average hockey intelligence. He just turned 33 on February 4th. But when the Oilers trade Mark Latestu, as I believe they will, are they going to be looking for another version of Mark Letestu? Do they currently have that on their team or in their system? I would strongly argue they do not. Feel free to disagree with me if you'd like, but I I would strongly argue they do not. Uh, You know, he he signed a three year deal back in the summer of 2015. I I would argue that this is one that has helped the Oilers. I mean, the fourth line center who sometimes played on the power play before Latestu was Boyd Gordon who, uh, you know, obviously did not contribute to the level that Letestu did. So it's going to be interesting for him. Uh, he opened up a little bit there about his uh, family, and he'll be away from them. He, uh, you know, is one of the guys who stays in Edmonton year-round, has a lot of family around Elk Point. So, you know, there'll be some uprooting here for Letestu, uh, and he will be traded by Monday, 1 o'clock, for the trade deadline. And Connor McDavid knows he has some teammates who will soon be former teammates.
4: It's, uh, it's definitely not a fun day uh, not a fun feeling for a lot of guys and um you know it's something that it's not fun to go through um you know these are guys that uh you know my friends personally and and uh, you know guys that uh, you don't want to see you go but um you know, whether they go or not uh, that's a different story but um there's definitely a lot uh, a lot more to to uh you know the trade deadline than than fan, fans think uh, and they think everyone's expendable but uh, it's it's uh It was obviously a little bit of a personal level uh, in the dressing
3: room. All right, a little bit there from Connor McDavid. We'll have special trade deadline coverage for you on Monday. We'll start at 11 or maybe a little earlier if the Oilers do something significant. uh, It will start at 11, go through Bob's Oilers now time slot, and continue until 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and then we'll have a regular edition of Inside Sports on Monday night. Going to be a lot to talk about. uh, What will the Oilers do? What will some of the contending teams do to try to bulk up for the stretch drive. Leon Dreisaitl, excited about Germany. They will play for a medal at the Men's Olympic Hockey Tournament. They'll play for gold if they can beat Canada. You'll hear from Leon and Ryan Nugent Hopkins back on the ice. He'll enlighten us on his injury when we return. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet.
4: Hi, this is Ryan Eugen-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
3: Chad. All right, you'll hear from the Nudes here in the next few minutes. It's 620. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers back at it tomorrow against the Colorado Avalanche. Third and final meeting of the season between the two teams. 5.30 face-off show game at 7 from Rogers Place. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's furnace replacement experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. The Big L texting in. He says, Reed, are you going to have a panel for trade deadline day? You, Bob, Jack, Rob Brown, and JP. Well, JP may call in. No plan for him to be part of the panel. He had a uh, wonderful call on Sunday. But the uh, other four guys, yes, we will be on the air for our trade deadline coverage. Uh, I always appreciate it if you sign a a name or a handle you would like to be known by to your text. There's a greater chance I will read it, though I will read some anonymous ones just because I'm a nice guy. This texter says, why is no one talking about the two players we should be trading, Stroman and Benning? Okay. I think your silence said it all. <laughs> if you're that, again, to borrow a line from Rob Brown, if you're that eager to trade them, other teams may not want them. Just remember that. And uh, by the way, I would not, uh, I would first of all, I would not give up on Matt Benning. I would not give up on Matt Benning. Uh, probably a bit of a sophomore slump season for him. I, I would not give up on Matt Benning. I think he's a smart kid. I think he's uh, intelligent on the ice. And, and he'll body check, as he showed last night, hitting Spooner with that big hit. He, he's probably one of the, I'd say he's one of the best hitters on the Oilers, in terms of being able to step up and hit somebody cleanly. Uh, as for Ryan Strom, I mean, what are you, what are you gonna like? Seriously, you gonna trade Ryan Strom? What? How would you like to be that player coming in for Ryan Strom? Oh, you traded Everly for Strom and then Strom for this guy? I would want to be that third guy on that Some list. Pretty high expectations there, right? Yeah. So. I mean, I think with Ryan Strom, they they'll keep working with them and trying to. Hone his game, make him a better all-around player. I mean, here's 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 what happened, as far as I see it. You knew Strom was not going to produce as many points as Everly. Sure, but you hoped maybe he could get to forty. He will not, barring an incredible run to finish the season. Okay, so he, he will not. He has not had uh, a lot a lot of impact on many games. When he has played well, he's gotten in there and checked and, and forechecked and gotten involved in the play and around the puck, but he doesn't do that consistently enough. You know who else didn't do that consistently enough? Jordan Everly. In, in my mind, Everly and Strom have the same weaknesses. They don't check well enough and they don't back check well enough, but the difference was Everly could at least hit the score sheet. And you'd have the odd game where he'd go out there and get two or three points and have a really big impact on the score. So you, I think you have players with similar weaknesses, but one at least can produce points and the, and the other one didn't. Just a redeeming quality there. Yes. Now, a year ago, many Oilers fans, I'm not going to say all, but I think many, because I heard from many, were very tired of the deficiencies in Everly's game. Now, unfortunately, you brought in like here's the thing. Hall for Larson is gonna be debated till the end of time. Like when I'm a when I'm a 90-year-old man in the retirement home on Mars, people are gonna come up on to me Mars and, and bring up that trade, right? But Larson has a is obviously a, has a totally different skill set than Hall. And regardless of what the oilers gave up to get that skill set, they needed that skill set, right? I agree. Okay, so could have they got more? Could have they found a different defenseman? All right, fine. It'll be debated till the end of time. And and you know what? Fans have been fair to Adam Larson. They realized he didn't make the trade. You know they weren't going to blame him for being on the team. And and for the most part, I think he's done his job. And I thought he's played fine since he's came back, uh, come back from being away because of his father's passing. So you traded a, a player with skill set O for offense with for a player with skill set D for defense. Uh, in the Everly case, you traded uh, a skill set and weaknesses for a lesser skill set and the same weaknesses. That's how I look at that one. All right, E Town Aaron says, uh, "Good point on Benning and Strom. I think is worth another chance." If you would, if you are sending me the same text that you sent Bob Stoffer earlier, at least change the name from Bob to Reed. As somebody has just done. That's hilarious. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, has been back skating with the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, he's been out with the cracked ribs.
4: Well, it's good. It's uh, it's nice to get back uh, out there with the guys. Um, been skating for a little while just on my own. And. Um, just kind of getting the conditioning, uh, getting to feel the ice and the puck again. But uh, it's it's always nicer when you get to go back out there um, to skate with the team, if, even if you can't do everything. Uh, just doing the flow drills and stuff is uh, feels good to get back out there for sure.
3: When the injury happened, I mean, you were right by your bench, and it looked like you,
4: you kind of went off. Was it pretty uncomfortable right away? It was. It almost felt like I had just really badly got the wind knocked out of me. But so I just kind of went to the tunnel and just wanted to give it a couple minutes to see if I uh, could like come back get my wind back and um but clearly that was not the case and it was kind of like the the longer it went on the worse it got and, like the next couple of days were really bad it didn't really know like even me I didn't really couldn't really tell which what was going on it was just like my whole body just like was so like so seized that everything was hurting my neck was hurting so um it's kind of it was rough for um, the first couple of weeks, but after that, it started to settle down a little bit. I guess it's a different sort of injury because you
3: don't have to wear a cast or you a know, walking boot or, or anything like that. I mean, you're still sort of intact, but there's a lot going on inside.
4: Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, and there's not too much that you can do specifically for the injury. You just got to keep everything around it uh, moving well and uh, make sure nothing uh, tightens up too much. Um, so a lot of rehab, a lot of... Uh, movements, arm movements, getting the muscles uh, working again around them, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a, d- a different injury than um, I've gotten in the past, but um, no easier uh, than any of the others, for sure.
3: Alright, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins should be back in the lineup in March. Quickly, Jim on the open line. Go ahead, Jim.
1: Can you explain to me why? I mean, we're not going to make the playoffs, obviously. Why are we playing our number one goalie? I mean, we've got a problem with the goaltending right now. We don't have a I would say a, a legit backup. Why don't we start bringing some of these kids up or use the people we have?
3: Is that is that a serious question, Jim?
1: Yeah, because I mean, we're not we're not we're not going to make the playoffs. So let's see what some of these kids can do. Some of the some of the other the other young goalies we have. Give them the experience they need because we're playing for next year. We're not playing for this year. We're playing for next
3: year. So you would not let Talbot play any of the twenty three remaining games?
1: I would let him maybe play five or six, and that's it.
3: So who would My you put who would you who it, would you put in net?
1: I have no idea, Reed. That's why I'm asking. We've got goaltenders down, we've got a backup right now that doesn't play too bad. But I guess what I'm trying to say is we're we we do not know what we have in with our backup. We won't know next year.
3: Okay, so how are you going to know if you put Nick Ellis in net for 10 games and he's never played in the NHL and he allows eight goals a game? How how will you know what you have? He's a rookie in the minors.
1: Well, okay, so how do we give these kids a chance? They play in the AHL, like Talbot
3: did when he was younger.
1: Well, we don't have a backup right now for Talbot. We found that out when he got hurt. This is our problem with the Oilers. They don't have a reliable backup if Talbot gets hurt.
3: No, they don't, but you don't find the backup by putting first-year pros in in games with 23 games left. Well,
1: I wouldn't
3: be playing Talbot for the next 15. Okay. I'm who's going to make the playoffs, so, so why, why bother? Well, would you not like to Talbot a chance to get his game back? Like he has the last oh. three games? He's looked better. Like of all the things to worry about, Jim, this is what you're worried about.
1: Well, we also have in in goaltending. See what else we could do for next year, because we're never going to be able to get a chance to double the probability another sixty or seventy games next year. Who knows? And then we're going to put all the load on him, and it's just not right. That's not fair. All right, Jim. I'm glad you called.
0: This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched.
3: All right, uh, well, we're just talking about Cam Talbot. Uh, Mark from Camrose, hello, Camrose. Says, I may not agree with caller Jim, but I would give Al Montoya a handful of starts in net, let him stretch his legs and see if he could be a legit backup. Well, I mean, I would would not call somebody up from the farm and let them play the majority of the games. Montoya, for sure, I'd let him play. He would have played on the weekend, remember, if he hadn't got hurt in practice. I mean, Montoya was going to play uh, at least against Arizona on Saturday. Gord from St. Albert says, hello, Reed. season seat holder for 14 years, longtime listener my opinion, Talbot is good, not great. We will never win a cup with him at starter unless the rest of the team is awesome. He is too inconsistent. That is from Gord. Well, I understand the questions about Talbot's play and consistency uh, this season. He's been nowhere near the level he was last year. Having said that, I I would not uh, sit him out the majority of the remainder of the games. I got a special guest standing by, but quickly one of our loyal listeners, Castle Downs, Dan, is on the line. Dan, I'll give you about a minute today, buddy, because I got a, a guest from out of town waiting.
1: No worries, Reed. Listen, uh, on the Talbot thing, uh, I agree. Give him, a, give him some rest, but don't uh, give him the rest of the year off. Uh, and only if Montoya's playing. No need to call anybody up. And the other thing with the difference between uh, Strom and uh, uh, Everly was uh, at half the salary.
3: Well, yeah, a couple people texted that, too. And, and Shirely, uh Sh- and he said that at the time. That what frustrates a lot of people is that he said, "I'm going to use this to save cap space, and guard against a predatory offer against Drysidle." And then he pretty much gave Drysidle all the money anyway, right? So.
1: Well, he gave him the key to the bank. That's for sure. Yeah, but, and,
3: I, and uh, look, hey, I don't mind locking up Drysidle for a long time or paying the guy, but. I'm you, not.
1: I'm not. A, yeah. I'm not adverse to that either. I think it was. A, I think it was a smart deal.
3: All right, Dan. It's good to hear awesome. from you. Take care, man. Castle Downs, Dan. 780-496-0063. All right, so trade deadline's Monday at 1. One of the best players in hockey is Senators defenseman Eric Carlson. A.J. Jakubek from the Senators radio network on the line. A.J., could Eric Carlson be traded in the next 72 hours? What's going on? It's a great
2: question, uh, Reid. I think if you would have asked me a few days ago, I would have said, this is probably more of a summer deal, but hey, where there's smoke, there's fire. When you see the Bob McKenzie's and the Darren Dreger's of the world saying, yeah, this absolutely could legit, legit happen between now and Monday, then, then you have to pay attention. You have to see uh, what's going to happen. And uh, the fact that uh, there are uh, multiple teams that, that would be interested in his in, in services, and obviously uh, I, I think every team would love an Eric Carlson on, on their side, But, uh, you know, it's one thing to to want them, and it's another another thing to be able to have a contending team that can make this type of trade now where, A, you're a contending team and you want Eric Carlson for at least two playoff runs, and B, you've got uh, the necessary assets to give up uh, to make something like this happen. So um, Tampa Bay would be top of the list, and certainly that's uh, the team we keep hearing, and Uh, Again, I I, if I was a betting man, I I still think this is something that probably goes down in the off season. But uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, and uh, I guess uh, it could be we certainly could be in for an interesting five days.
3: Okay, well, Tampa Bay is an interesting one because they could potentially give Ottawa several prospects, right? If it if it came to that, if I mean the 2016 draft, the first. Five or six guys alone, right? For Tampa Bay, Howden, Hayek, Kachuk, Radish, Ingram, right? Some of those guys would be appealing. I'm assuming. Like, correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's, so, you know, you would start somewhere with those prospects. I would think.
2: Well, oh, I, I would think you would start with uh, a roster
3: player. Well, two. sure, but then, but then, and, to be, because no of the question, depth have, of the of the prospect pool with no, Tampa. For
2: sure, Tampa. Look, Tampa's got the ability if if Steve Eiserman wishes. To, to pull something like this off because he does have the assets and he does have a legit Stanley Cup contender right now. And, 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 and I think the thinking would be that, number one, okay, you can you get them this year, but, but the fact that you get them next year as well, because we, we see a lot of these types of moves when you, when you make this big a move at the deadline. A lot of times it doesn't work, but maybe the next year it works. I mean, even Ray Bork, right? You think back to Ray Bork, it was the second year. Yeah, good point. In, in Colorado, when they won the Stanley Cup, so uh, I, I think that's that's a big part of it. But yeah, wh- I look at names like Braden Point and Mikhail Sergachev off the top because they do have those young, exciting, you know, potential star players that are on the roster right now that that, that could come in and help. Uh, whether it would take one or both or I, you know, I don't know, and what what else you'd have to give up beyond that. I mean, the thing about the first round picks, if you're talking about Tampa Bay, you're talking about multiple first round picks. well, you're expecting them to be good. So for all intents and purposes it's it's kind of like having a high second if you're if you're picking right. somewhere between twenty six and thirty one, but you you mentioned the prospects. I mean, the four guys in the world junior team um, with 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 howden and 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 with foot on defense and and Radish and Kachuk for sure and, and Anthony Cirelli is another guy that I, I know the organization uh, for sure is high on I mean Slater Cuckoo is another player he's a local guy that uh, is, is really starting to, to to find a niche finally in the National Hockey League after being a top 10 pick and, and played just down the road in Peter Rose so I mean they've got a lot of pieces in place any of those players one for one or even if it's two for one excites you in a deal for you know what is the premier defenseman in the National Hockey League when he's on top of his game. He hasn't been there there this year, but uh, you know I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, no, I, I wouldn't be super excited about you know any kind of two for one or whatever. But if you start if you start with Sergachev or points, one or the other or both, and and move on from there with all the prospects and picks they could offer, mm-hmm. you can at least find some sort of way. A deal, if if that's something that
3: Steve Eiserman wants to do. AJ, can you explain to me? Because one of the some of the speculation I've read is that Ottawa would be more like would be more willing to trade Carlson if they could trade Bobby Ryan in the same deal. Can you verify that as a as a theory and explain it if true?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well we've heard it from three different sources. Our, our, our Terry Marcott from CTV Ottawa uh, was the first to report that a couple of days ago. And, um, you, you know, you've seen Bruce Garriock and Bob McKenzie and, and you know, Bruce is very uh, certainly knows what what ownership is thinking. Uh, anytime there's there's anything coming from Eugene Melnick, uh, you, you, you can pretty much guarantee that, that Bruce Garriock is going to have that scoop. So he, he's He's on top of what the organization is thinking and certainly what ownership is thinking whenever it comes from Bruce. So when, when you hear it from Terry, when you hear it from Bruce, and then you hear it from Bob McKenzie, I don't think there's any question that that, that is something that they'll look at. Now, I, I, I would hope that it doesn't have to be married that way, that that you know, might be a possibility that you, could, you, you can sweeten the pot for, for the other team and say, okay, Rather than six or seven assets, we'll take four or five if, if you're willing to take on Bobby Orion's contract. Now, the problem okay. with that is I think that, that basically nullifies, unless you're getting a third team involved or something like that, but it basically nullifies any chance of, of this deal happening, I think, uh, between now and Monday. I just don't think, you know, let's, let's go back to Tampa Bay. You're going to take on $14 million in, in cap space. I, I mean, what kind of mega deal would it take to, to be able to take on that contract? Unless, again, you're you're involving a third team in, in the mix. So, um, if something happens with Carlson between now and Monday, I, I'd be very surprised if Bobby Ryan was was thrown into the mix. But okay. I, who knows, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> with all well, this yeah. stuff coming out, who would have thought at the start of the year that that this was was all possible? So it, it's. Kind of surreal, just seeing it all play out, and and you know it looks like there's a, a realistic possibility of this happening. Period. Uh, but but the fact that it could happen in the next five days, you know, and, and it's not going well. I'll tell you this: just checking social media, and you know, uh, talking to some of my buddies uh, in Ottawa. I'm on the bus right now. I'm heading to Windsor. Uh, <laughs> I I kind of uh, I got the uh, the good straw on that one uh, off. The send post game here this week, so I can go call junior hockey in winter, <laughs> London, and Kitchener. Yeah, I, I don't think I need to be taking those phone calls for the next few days. So that that's that's uh, two thumbs up for me on the, on that trade. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm a little I, I, I'm just texting with people back home, and and, and there's there's outrage, and right now that uh, no trade has even happened, right? So imagine if something goes down, and this is a franchise. Um, you know, there's a falling out with Danny Heatley. There's a falling out with with uh, Daniel Alfredson. I mean, they lost it in O'Chara. There's a falling out with Jason Spezza. And, and now, you know, and a falling out with Kyle Turris, who's a very popular p- player in the community as well. And you look at his comments and, and even his wife's uh, comments on social media. So, I you know, right now, I, I've said it before, Ottawa right now reminds me of Edmonton in the mid-90s with Peter Pocklington where the fans had basically had enough. And I, I think they've had enough regardless of where this goes, but if he's traded, I, I, I don't know how this is going to go for Eugene Melnick, who's cleaned out people on the business side and, and he's got the thinnest staff in the league by far on the hockey operation side and, and now he's named himself CEO and taking a more hands-on approach, and meantime you got to sell tickets going into next year. I, I just don't know how this is going to go for him on the business side. Meantime, you got the LeBreton Flats project. I mean, there's so many different variables and so many different layers to this whole thing. When when you include the the arena, and then you include you know multiple groups that that are circling that would love to buy the Ottawa Senators and keep them in town. People that are wealthy that uh, are billionaires, the Demarets and Cirque du Soleil people. And, and so, I, I mean, this, there's so many different layers to this that this is not just about hockey, and and, and that's why it's going to be the most fascinating. I thought the John Tavares story was going to be the most fascinating story this year, but, but I think Eric Carlson, and, you know, you could call them probably equal superstars. I think Carlson's best probably puts him in the same neighborhood as McDavid and Crosby when he plays at his best, but mm-hmm. he, he has too many dips in his game to, to be uh, right there with those guys. So, I mean, you, you talk about Tavares, you talk about Carlson and two big superstars, I, I thought we'd kind of get the same type of Tavares mania that we had with Stamkos, and that would be the biggest story of the season uh, and, and of this time of year and certainly the offseason, but but I think Eric Carlson has overshadowed that and, and the magnitude and in, in, in which this will affect this franchise uh i i wouldn't uh i don't think you can understate it
3: aj uh the, the the as you probably would would guess the most popular text to my text line in the last five minutes is what about dry for carlson uh i don't think these two teams would necessarily be dance partners in the next three days and ottawa would probably say you got to give us something else wouldn't they and we should we should we should stress <laughs> this is purely hypothetically, just just two yeah. buddies talking.
2: <laughs> Boy, you know what? From a hypothetical standpoint, I just the fact. I mean, you're talking about eight years' security. I mean, that the, the thing that I'd be concerned about if I'm Edmonton is okay. Yeah, you get Carlson for a year and a half for sure, but you know what are you going to do after that? Well,
3: right. Yeah, you'd have to have if, some guarantee if, going in, right?
2: If, if you, and and you can't make that trade unless you know from your perspective that that he's going to sign long term and so that would be something that you would have to look at in the offseason i'll say this from an ottawa perspective that would absolutely i mean i and i know pierre dorian's a big fan of leon drive just going back and and talking to him prior to that draft so um from that perspective yeah but I, i don't think would it make sense from an Ottawa perspective? Absolutely. From an Edmonton perspective, I'm not seeing it.
3: Okay. AJ, thanks for joining us while you're on the bus. You're always fun to have on the show. And, uh, yeah, two, uh, we cover two markets here having very uh, disappointing seasons, so we'll see what happens over the next few days. Enjoy the road trip, Ed.
2: All right. Cheers, Reed. Take care.
3: AJ Jacoby Curley traveling with the uh, Ottawa Sixty Sevens and uh, also TSN 1200 in Ottawa works on the Senators broadcast. Good, wow, that's uh, that could be story number one here going into the trade deadline. What happens to Eric Carlson? Quick timeout inside sports on 6:30. Chet,
0: this is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chet.
3: All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.53, just one game underway in the NHL. 1-1 between Ottawa and Chicago after the first period. Anaheim home to Dallas at eight o'clock at 8.30. The Flames play the Golden Knights. Uh, Just after nine, we have the women's gold medal game, Canada and the United States. Text to 6.30, 6.30. The Big L says, Reed Dreisaitl has more long-term upside than Carlson. Well, he is younger, and as uh, A.J. Jacobic said, you know, maybe that would be a straight-across trade. Maybe you wouldn't have to give Ottawa anything else because of the length of the contract and the age. Dirk and Cochran. Dirk, thanks for tuning in from Southern Alberta. He says, Reed, we need two pieces. A puck-moving defenseman slash power play quarterback and a sniper To play with Connor. Maybe Nurse will develop into the power play quarterback and Puglia Yarvi the sniper. Peter Shirelli and the fans just have to be patient. I don't see any other immediate options on the horizon. That is from Dirk and Cochran. He used the dreaded P word. Patience. Oilers fans are sick of, and they thought they were uh, done dealing with last season. Uh... Yeah, Dirk, I think you make good comments. I, I I still think they need a couple of faster players up front who can help kill penalties. Lucic is going to be on the team. I, I do. Th- I mean, he, he's having a terrible year, and, and specifically the last... This is how bad it is. I have to look up how many games it's at because you, you reach a such a high number after a while. He's at 23 games without a goal. I mean, that's hard to believe. But if, if you could find... And, and you still need guys who can play, right? I mean, three, four years ago... We were talking about the Oilers getting bigger guys who could still play. You don't just need speed, but if there's speed guys who can still shoot the puck or snipe the odd goal and, and play tenacious, then, then fine, that's what you need. I, I think they need some speedy guys to help with the forecheck and, and, and with the penalty kill, maybe a couple of guys up front. Um, they'll probably try to add another depth-type defenseman or, or mid-range-type defenseman. But yes, definitely they don't have a power play quarterback. And the sniper, perhaps it'll be Puglia Yarvi. Perhaps it'll be Kyler Yamamoto in a year or two. This is a great text here from Dom. Says, Reed, would you take Kachuk instead of Puglia Yarvi if you got a redo? Interesting that the Finnish GM passed on Puglia Yarvi. Yeah, and took uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois instead. Kachuk's having a great season. I think he's up to 22 goals. He's an agitator. He's tough. Uh, I would not give up on puglia yet, obviously. I I think we saw a pretty good 12 to 15 game stretch for him earlier. And he's been pretty quiet lately. McClellan has not been using him much. And if there's one thing we've learned about McClellan, if if he loses that trust level with you as a player, you ain't going to play. With the younger guys, he doesn't give them as much leeway to try to play their way out of it. Now, I'd like to see pooley being used a little more. I, at this point, I would just like to see him back up with McDavid. I mean, why the heck not? I mean, I know we're talking about experimenting and goalies and line combinations, but pooley has been up there with McDavid and it has looked good. So I would say why not put him up there again? Uh, to, to people, I mean, this is the time of year we get lots of trade proposals on the text line. Again, if you're throwing Lucic into a trade proposal, he has a no-move contract. I personally don't see why he would waive it at, at this length into the deal. So so just remember that. Milan Lucic, full no-move clause for the rest of this year and then three years after this one, folks. So he is an Edmonton Oiler. He is an Edmonton Oiler long-term. All right, we'll talk uh, with Jamie Soleil. Always good to have her on the show. Former Olympic gold medalist in figure skating. She'll give us some thoughts on what she has seen uh, at these games so far. Oh, Edmonton's Caitlin Osmond, by the way, third after uh, the ladies' short program. I still have those Leon Dreisaitl comments I want to play about Germany versus Canada in the upcoming Olympic men's semifinal.